Today on the Daily Gator Daily Thought, we have perhaps the stupidest attorney to ever appear on TV in big shock. She was a guest on MSNBS's Politics Nation, hosted by, yes, Reverend Al Pimp My Hair Sharpton, the king of all race pimps. Uh, we've got uh, some analysis on uh, what the hell is going on in Afghanistan and how stupid can our military leadership be? We have the greatest military in the world. Right now, it looks like it's being run by complete knuckle-dragging morons. How about Liz Cheney? She decided to go anti-Trump for some reason. Who knows why? And I have it on good authority from someone who lives in the state of Wyoming that uh, Liz Cheney really is, uh, well, Wyoming's just not into Liz Cheney very much anymore. Not since she stopped being into conservatism and common sense. We've also got some analysis of uh, from Daniel Greenfield on what he calls Biden's Benghazi, the uh, the dead soldiers, the Marines, and the Navy uh, hero who died in Kabul, Afghanistan. We got some got some very good thoughts on that. And we've got uh, a little preview to another piece by Daniel Greenfield I wanted to include. I put it on the blog this morning. But you need to really need to hear more about this and read it. And I'm going to give you such a telling quote that this country, I think, needs to accept about exporting our way of governing, our values, our love of liberty, etc., etc. I think it's very important that we do that my friends all that and more yes it's monday it's time to kick this pig and kick another week off Anyway, we go, my friends. Uh, let's go to uh, Politics Nation really quick here. Al Sharpton's show. That's right. The world's biggest race pimp, Al Sharpton. On his show this past Saturday, MSNBS, the only network that would put an Al Sharpton show on TV. Well, they showed how nasty they are, how, how ugly their, their disposition is toward people who are pro-lifers. And they had perhaps the stupidest attorney on as a show, as a guest, rather, on the Al Sharpton show. And her name, yeah, she's a civil rights attorney. Jill Colin Jefferson uh, was discussing her effort to reinvestigate several alleged suicides in the state of Mississippi to see if they might have been murders. Because, you know, the left is obsessed with lynchings. It's one of those things they always bring up. It's one of those buzzwords they use to get people emotional and angry so they'll be fooled by leftist BS. Well, Al Sharpton, before he let her go, he turned his attention to a a Supreme Court is going to look at a law in the state of Mississippi. It's currently blocked. 
But what it does is it bans all abortions after 15 weeks in the state of Mississippi. So the Supreme Court's going to look at it. And Al Sharpton wanted to get uh, this uh, this brilliant woman, this brilliant, brilliant attorney's uh, expertise. So he asked her a question. He read what the law would be about it, and he asked her, what did uh, what did she think uh, of the law? What was her expert legal opinion? And give a listen to this, my friend. Talk about dumb on steroids. Yes, this is a matter of civil rights. Having the right to an abortion is a constitutional right. It's grounded in the right to privacy that is within the Constitution. And I find it really interesting that part of this argument is an argument about, you know, the right to an abortion is not explicitly listed in the Constitution. But you know what? Neither is the right to bear arms. That the way that we interpret that law is the interpretation of a constitutional provision, the Second Amendment. In this, we are interpreting another con- we're interpreting another constitutional provision. Yet that's we're not applying that same logic to this situation. What it reminds me of, quite honestly, is a suicide bomber. Someone who feels like they have the right and the moral duty to mess up somebody else's life for the greater good. Well, that was a that was a special take, wasn't it? She argues, and if you listen to her, she 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 argues the point and then immediately refutes it. What does she say? She says uh, we're making a mistake because uh, abortion's a constitutional right. She claims, even though it's not explicitly mentioned in the Constitution. Even though all the other rights like freedom of speech, religion, uh, the uh, right to assemble, right to to uh, petition for, uh, what is it, uh, the right to peaceably assemble, yes, thank you, uh, and all the other rights against illegal searches and seizures, unreasonable searches and seizures, I should say. And she has all these constitutional rights, and she says abortion is a right, but it's not mentioned explicitly. And then one that is mentioned explicitly, the Second Amendment, which clearly says the right to the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. She says that is not in the Constitution. Has she ever read the Constitution? Does she have a brain cell in her head that's still functioning? Was she just nervous to be on TV? Uh, if you go to Newsbusters, they have a little little video of this nitwit. And she looks like she's been working out. She's got like the headband on. She's she's sweating. And like, I don't know if they caught her during her workout or something to do her her uh, interview uh, and 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 let her allow her to express her brilliant legal opinions. That a right that isn't in the Constitution is not clearly is not explicitly mentioned in the Constitution It's still a right. And the one that is explicitly mentioned in the Constitution is not a right somehow. It's not in the Constitution. And then she compares people who want to protect unborn human life. Follow the science, leftist. Abortion kills a human being. That baby has its own DNA, its own blood type, its own organs. It's a living human being. There is no scientific debate or doubt as to that. She argues that anyone that would want to save that life, again, after 15 weeks, is somehow akin to a suicide bomber. I mean, that's, that's, I don't know how to describe that, but nuclear-grade stupidity. The only people stupider than this woman are the people who fall for her argument. And sadly, there's a lot of people in America that hear that kind of thing. Yeah, uh-huh, that's right. Uh-huh, uh-huh, that's right. Pass it that glue. I need to sniff a little more. Uh-huh, go ahead. Come on, man. Come on, man. Give me that paste. I'm hungry. Give me not the toothpaste. That Yeah, that paste right there. Give me that. That tar for the roof. Let me eat some more of that. What idiots are these people? Because they fall and follow morons like this woman who obviously 
Well, she has to have read the Constitution. Did she not recognize the words? Is she, was she kicked in the head by a mule several times? I don't get it. That's just, uh, my friends, that, that's just nuclear-grade stupidity on steroids. Now, really quick, I want to reference something. Uh, and please, go to Newsbusters and watch the clip of this woman uh, who... Like sounds like like a teenager, and she's like got a head bound on. It's like like working out, and like uh, what's in the Constitution isn't, but what isn't in the Constitution is like in it. Okay, Al, yeah, yeah, right, Al, yeah, you're cool too, man. Uh, let's go to a piece by Daniel Greenfield. I posted a little excerpt from this on the blog this morning. And I urged everyone who reads that post to go read the whole thing. Go read this whole piece by Daniel Greenfield, who was one of the most brilliant men in this nation. If I were president, I would have advisors. And I would go to wise people like Thomas Sowell, like the late great Walter Williams when he was alive. I would go to Dennis Prager. I would go to people like Daniel Greenfield. I'd go to men like Mike McDaniel, a blogger you've probably never heard of, but you should have because he's brilliant. I would ask advice and wisdom from these people because they have that wisdom. It's so lacking today. And I urge you, the piece is called uh, Our Mistaken Ideas About Human Rights Failed Us in Afghanistan. And it's a lengthy piece. It is full of knowledge, wisdom, common sense, things that, God, this country needs so badly right now. And he begins by saying, in the second paragraph, America was founded on that simple principle, that human rights are not government, they're culture. That's, that's the foundation of America. The Declaration of Independence conviction in the equality of men, individual rights, and government gaining their authority from the consent of the governed was based on self-evident truths. So Americans many times go, yeah, all we have to do is present this to people and they'll just forget all the cultural and religious and historical groundings they have. They'll just drop their, quote, self-evident truths and adopt ours. But that didn't happen in Afghanistan. Largely, it didn't happen in Iraq. And it's not going to happen, I fear, in a lot of, uh, a lot of countries and if it does, it would take a long time. Maybe that's the mistake of us trying to export our form of government. And Daniel Greenfield writes about that. And he has this little paragraph. Consider the two radically different worldviews inherent in Ben Franklin. Benjamin Franklin wrote, The rain which descends from heaven upon our vineyards is a constant proof that God loves us and loves to see us happy. Compare that, my friends, to what the Ayatollah Khomeini said, proclaiming Allah did not create man so that he could have fun, and thus there is no fun in Islam. Both Franklin and Khomeini were expressing a worldview that was self-evident to them. And thank God we adopted what Franklin thought rather than a fanatic like Khomeini. Life, liberty, and the pursuit, the pursuit of happiness. Those famous words by Jefferson from the Declaration of Independence. They came from people who believe that God loves us and wants to enjoy life. Beheadings, butchery, and the burqa. They came from Islamists who believe that Allah, believes that Allah do not does not like us very much and that we deserve somehow to be miserable. And please go read this whole piece. It is it is so so important that people understand basic reality. Too much of news and the commentary is all uh, blah 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 blah. Same talking points. Uh, to a lot of people, I think they find it very boring because it, it's like the talking head you see on TV all the time. They say the same things. They say the same things. And the other guy says it. Then a woman from over there on the left says the same thing over and over and over. And it's just, it's repetitive and it's, it dumbs down the conversation. There's no depth to it. So again, Sultan Nish, uh, 
danielgreenfield.org or mistaken ideas about human rights failed us in Afghanistan. Go read it, my friends. And now let's read, let's get into another piece, also by Daniel Greenfield. It might be Daniel Greenfield today on the Daily Gator Daily Thought, which would not be bad at all. And he calls this piece Biden's Benghazi. Came out just yesterday. He writes, more American soldiers died in one week of Biden's retreat than in the last two years of war. You know, when that mean tweeting guy Trump was in charge. Nine American soldiers had died in combat in Afghanistan from August of 2019 until now, when over a dozen of our men were murdered in a one single day during Biden's shameful retreat. Like so many of the American soldiers who were killed by the Taliban and their al-Qaeda allies during the Obama-Biden administration, and like the Americans murdered in Benghazi by jihadists uh, allied with al-Qaeda and the Muslim Brotherhood, they did not have to die. American soldiers died, Greenfield writes, because they were prevented from defending themselves. Remember the rules of engagement Obama had? They were... They were they handcuffed our military. Yet when Trump took power, and here was ISIS, and Trump basically told the military leaders, get rid of ISIS, do your job, do what you know how to do. And it didn't take very long for ISIS to be eradicated. Period. See, our military is the best in the world, there's no question. As long as they're led by competent people, and as long as the politicians stay the you-know-what out of the damn way, the military will be fine as long as we define what the military is supposed to do. And our military, basically, or what Rush Limbaugh used to say, the military is designed to kill people and break things, blow things up. That's what our military does. Now, Greenfield continues, abandoning thousands Understand what's happening in Afghanistan under the buffoon Biden. Abandoning thousands of Americans behind enemy lines, the Biden administration turned the Kabul airport, the airport you have to take to get everyone out, they turned that airport over to uh, the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, and other jihadists, basically. Taliban jihadists controlled the checkpoints, they check papers, they beat Americans, and enter the airport to, quote, coordinate security with American forces. Thousands of American citizens and soldiers were cut off from each other, able to meet only with the approval of the Taliban. Again, who decides these things? It damn sure wasn't Trump, my friends. I guarantee you that. We use the Taliban as a tool to protect us as much as possible. Uh, that is from Marine Corps General Frank McKenzie. Uh, McKenzie has repeatedly described the Taliban as partners, partners that will stick you in the back as soon as they get the chance. Tell me a fool like this is not in charge in any way of our military, but sadly, he is. As warnings of imminent ISIS-K attack grew, the Biden administration continued to rely on who? the Taliban, to keep their fellow terrorists in check. And they tell us, well, ISIS-K and the Taliban, they don't like each other, okay? So we can work with that because they really hate each other. Yeah, but they probably hate us more. This was the same treasonous mistake that led to the murder of Americans in Benghazi at the hands of an Islamic militia that was being paid to protect them from other jihadists. Yes, remember that? I bet you Hillary does. Or she might still be saying at this point, what does it really matter, right? Hillary? It was also how the British lost thousands of soldiers during the disastrous retreat from Kabul in uh, 1842. But Biden, Austin, and don't forget General Milley, Mr. I want to learn about white supremacy and white anger. Uh remain blind to both recent and classical history about the perils of trusting the lives of your men to the enemy. Remember the great expression, 
filled with wisdom. Those who forget history are bound to repeat it. And the Democrats are the party of wash, rinse, and repeat, my friends. Even now, with so many American soldiers dead, the Biden administration and its generals can only think of closer security cooperation with the Taliban, showing that they learned nothing. The Taliban and ISIS-K are feuding because ISIS-K consists of former members of the Taliban and the Haqqani network. But that hasn't stopped ISIS-K and the Taliban from coordinating by freeing each other's members from prison during previous attacks. When Biden abandoned the Bagram Air Force Base, he not only threw away the best and most secure means for evacuating Americans, he also handed over thousands of terrorists imprisoned at uh, Pulacharque, who included Al-Qaeda and ISIS-K terrorists. It would not be surprising if the perpetrators or organizers of the Kabul air attack, airport attack turned out to have been imprisoned there. The Biden administration and its cronies keep promising that the Taliban will fight ISIS-K. Well, they may, they may not, but you know what? They're damn sure not going to stop fighting us. And again, go read this whole piece by Daniel Greenfield. Uh, very good, very informative. Cuts through the BS. The media is never going to ask these questions or, or tell you these things. It takes actual people with with a will to tell the truth, which our media sadly just doesn't have. Again, it seems that when Democrats are in charge, they get in the way, they don't let the military be the military, and it costs us good men and good women. It costs us heroes. It costs us the blood and lives of heroes, American heroes, American warriors. And yes, some warriors for all of eternity have gone and marched and fought and died in you name the cause. Warriors, if they stay warriors long enough, all will probably be killed. But there's a large, large difference in that and sacrificing people because of the stupidity and incompetence of buffoons and politicians. But I repeat myself when I say buffoons and politicians, because basically that's what they are. Please go read all this by Daniel Greenfield. Again, the title of it is Biden's Benghazi. Uh, Go read that. Lots to read from Daniel Greenfield. There always is. If he's written something, trust me, it's worth your while, my friends, especially if you're a conservative. Get a liberal friend to read it. And uh, it might just uh, might just begin their journey towards common sense and conservatism. And we've got another piece on Afghanistan by another brilliant mind. And again, not mine. These are two other brilliant minds. I'm working in my humility, can you tell? Uh, General McKenzie on Twitter, this is CBS News tweeted this. General McKenzie says, I don't think there's anything to convince me that the Taliban let the Kabul attacks happen with the airport attacks he's talking about. As for whether or not I trust them, that's how you that's a word I use very carefully. You've heard me say before, it's not what they say, it's what they do. Uh, Mike McDaniel has that up on his on his uh, site, statelymcdanielmanner.com. He writes, the administration and military officials are claiming it must have been, again, ISIS-K, and you can put that in quotes, implying the Taliban would never do anything like that. Of course not. They promised, and terrorists always promise and then deliver, don't they? Right before they cut off your head. And they're acting in their interests. They're, they're kinder and gentler Islamist terrorists, not like those bad Islamist of ISIS. I wonder if they used some of the C4 explosives and detonators temporary President Biden so generously provided. Remember all the things that we sacrificed, all the materials, helicopters, uh, guns, explosives, vehicles, helicopters, because we pulled the military out way too soon. See, the military should have been the last to go, as Trump was planning. Get all the civilians out of danger first. 
secure everything you need to, then get the military out. And Trump even suggested blow up some airfields on the way out. Uh, of course, he had sent mean tweets, so he's not president anymore. He said mean things, so he can't be president anymore. Not of America, we're sensitive. And you see where it's getting us, the sensitivity. They may be 7th century illiterate barbarians, McDaniel writes, but they could surely appreciate that irony. To be fair, there is some indication ISIS, if we can believe that's who's taking credit, is taking credit. Even so, ISIS is just a slightly different flavor of Islamic barbarism. Think about it. <clears throat> Think about that statement. We're now down to trusting ISIS or the Taliban. That's the smart power behind the Biden administration. But why now? Why? What would lead the Taliban to, you know, do something to hurt America? The Taliban knows, McDaniel writes, that Biden is weakening. And he was weak to begin with. They're telling him in bloody terms, we better be gone by August 31st. And of course, they're humiliating him and America. They know he'll make threats of revenge and do nothing. After all, he was the guy who tried to cancel the Bin Laden raid. Would he be more likely to authorize military action against terrorists who killed a mere comparatively handful of Americans? Interesting question. Peter Alexander tweeted this. Uh, I asked President Biden what he will do if Americans are still in Afghanistan after the 831 deadline, August 31st. That is tomorrow, my friends. So the Taliban has told us, has laid down the law, 831, August 31st. After that, no, no one's getting out, basically. His response to that question was, you'll be the first person I call, and then took no questions. In other words, I'm not answering your questions. I don't have to. Perhaps the president needed to go have a snack or poop or something. Who knows? But if the Taliban, McDaniels asked, are acting in their interests, which Mr. Biden equates with or interests, how did two supposedly non-Taliban affiliated suicide bombers get through the Taliban blockade of the airport? Well, I would say, if that question was posed to me, that either A, they're, they're really incompetent uh, goat humpers, which I believe the Taliban to be anyway, or maybe they kind of let them through accidentally on purpose. You know, you know what I mean, and I think that you do. Defense Secretary, Defense Secretary, I had to chuckle at what Mike McDaniel uh, calls our Defense Secretary, who famously went in front of the troops with his, he's a very tall man, he's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, I don't know, but he's a big man, tall man, and he wears, came out with his uh, shield that covers his whole face. It looks almost like he's got an upside down lampshade on his head, or right side up lampshade, uh, but uh, Mike McDaniel refers to him as Defense Secretary Darth Snotshield <laughs> is issuing condolences. Somehow I don't think the survivors of our service members will be impressed or comforted. I know I wouldn't if it was one of my family that had been killed there. I suspect what's really upsetting this administration, apart from the humiliation and bad optics, is they know this is just the beginning. The optics are going to get worse much worse. This is proof even their media propaganda arm can't ignore that evil exists. Real and not manufactured evil. And it's not normal Americans, not America, not resistance to woke lunacy. It's the evil of Islamic terrorism, which the left still fully has not embraced the idea it can even exist, frankly. Which has never gone away. But the four years of the Trump administration... It was a hell of a lot quieter if you didn't notice, my friends. And I think that you probably did. It's the evil not of hurt feelings or of being triggered or having to use your birth gender's bathroom, for God's sakes, of feeling unsafe because someone holds different opinions or says forbidden words. It's the evil of atomized buildings 
and bodies in knee-deep American blood. Real, undeniably, real, undeniable satanic evil and is going to, overnight, make manufactured evil look incredibly stupid by comparisons. In other words, the idiocy and folly, eternal folly, perpetual failure of, of leftism is going to be exposed when it comes to how the left wants to deal with our national security. And this is another piece you need to go read it all, my friends. I'm not going to sit here and read the whole thing to you, uh, but there's one more little thing I do want to note. As uh, Representative Jim Banks noted, six of seven of those evacuated from Afghanistan are not American. The question every American should be asking today is why aren't all of our resources being dedicated to evacuating every American from behind enemy lines first? Imagine that. Because with the left, sadly, Americans and America doesn't come first. And uh, please read this. It was put up uh, August 26th. And uh, Afghanistan 4 is the title. What could make that whole? Uh, by StatelyMcDanielManner.com. Uh, Mike McDaniel, great writer. And uh, very, very, very worthwhile piece, my friends. And while you're also looking at Stately McDaniel, Stately McDaniel Manor, my mouth is uh, not fast enough to keep up with my brain, I don't think, today. He is a person who lives in the state of Wyoming. Thus, he is a constituent of Representative Liz Cheney, who at one time I had tremendous respect and regard for Liz Cheney. Uh, but uh, she decided to go on the anti-Trump train, also known as the crazy train, also known as the loser train. And she uh, condemned the president for January 6th. She claims he instigated it all he incited it all she voted to impeach president trump when there was nothing to impeach him for and guess what all her conservative support in a very conservative state of wyoming very heavily trump supporting state of wyoming guess what happened they don't really into liz cheney anymore they're just uh not into it as newsmax reported as she attracts national attention from the televised hearings of the events of the January 6th at the U.S. Capitol, Representative Liz Cheney is also clearly in mucho big trouble with her fellow Wyoming Republicans. Furious at Cheney becoming one of 10 GOP U.S. representatives to support the impeachment of former President Trump and her continuing attacks on him, Republicans want her out in 2022. According to a discompleted McLaughlin poll among likely Republican voters in the Cowboy State, a whopping 72% have an unfavorable, unfavorable opinion of their state's lone representative. So Liz Cheney has sacrificed her career and I wonder why, and so does Mike McDaniel. He writes about that. Like I said, he is now a resident of the great state of Wyoming, uh, where I would imagine, I always think of Wyoming, wide open spaces, beautiful mountains, uh, a lot of ranching stuff, and, and brutal, brutal cold. I would never want to spend one winter in Wyoming unless I had so many canned goods to do. Because you, I mean, snowing in, good chance of it out there. Incredible beauty in Wyoming. Always want to go there. Haven't had a chance yet. I've seen it from a mountaintop in Colorado. There's an overlook in Rocky Mountain National Park. You can see the state of Wyoming. So I claim to have been there, but I haven't really been there yet. But anyway, my friends, uh, this piece is also at Stately McDaniel Manor. And it is entitled Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney, Americans tend not to like that sort of thing. And you should go read that as well. StatelyMcDanielManor.wordpress.com is the official site of, uh, of his blog. And we have one more piece to get to. It's from a black man who's actually Hispanic who says, Stop calling me white! 
for having the wrong opinions. And the irony is, it's an opinion piece. Hmm. I'm going to take a short break and uh, get a little water and uh, let this portion of this podcast upload here on Anchor by Spotify. And then I'm going to come right back and finish. And you, through the magic of Anchor by Spotify, they should pay me for every time I say Anchor by Spotify. You, through the magic of Anchor by Spotify, hint, hint, more money, will, uh, well, You'll just see when you get back. You won't even notice I'm gone. But you'll still miss me because I know y'all love me. How can you not? And here we go, my friends. Like I said, like I was never gone. Newsweek has a editorial by Angel Eduardo uh, posted just today. And it's entitled, Stop Calling Me White for Having the Wrong Opinions. He begins, growing up, I was often accused of being, quote, white. My taste for Led Zeppelin and Queen over Puff Daddy and Buster Rhymes was called white. Personally, sir, I would call it just good taste in music, as in Led Zeppelin and Queen, uh, to garbage like, well, Buster Rhymes and Puff Daddy put out. All a matter of taste, my friends. If, if you like Puff Daddy, God bless you, man. I ain't got a problem with you, but I'm not going to call it quality music and you don't have to call Zeppelin quality music but why would a person be only white people can can listen to Zeppelin right you ought to go to YouTube sometimes you folks and you ought to uh, Google things and you can see guys like Eric Clapton and Steve Ray Vaughan and Jimmy Page and Jeff Beck and, and others white great blues and rock guitarists playing with guys named B.B. King and Buddy Guy and uh, Gary Clark Jr. and people like that. Black great guitar, rock and blues guitar heroes, rock uh, uh, masters, really. A tremendous guitarist, all of them. And they love playing together. They love playing the same kind of music. They're all, they all excel at what they do. And they love playing together. Some of those are no longer with us, like B.B. King, sadly. But why would one music be black or white? If you're a great blues guitarist, like Steve Ray Vaughan, who's also passed away, or Dwayne Allman, who passed away long ago, or Clapton, or, or anybody else, why would you not like playing with B.B. King or Buddy Guy or Gary Clark Jr.? Or Prince when he was alive, who's another brilliant guitarist. Never understood that. But back to this piece. My appetite for reading was called white. Even my wardrobe, which failed to reflect the norms of late 90s hip-hop culture, was, quote, white. It was intended as a pejorative, one that denied me my identity based on my cultural preferences. In other words, this guy did not get to pick his own uh, things he enjoyed, music, food, whatever. He had to be quote, this, 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 and this, because he was, quote, black. And it hurt, he says. I'm Dominican, but was constantly told I didn't act Dominican. And in response to these insults, I made a clown of myself trying to get the right clothes and force-feeding myself the right music so that, quote, my people would accept and include me. What a waste of his time. All trying to impress people that really don't matter. If someone's going to hate on you like that, screw them. Ser seriously, screw them. It didn't work. Though I too had immigrant parents, ate the same foods and shared a first generation American experience, I was too different from my peers as a person. They mocked my manner of speaking, sneered at my sense of humor, and found these undominican things ab about me profoundly uncool. Sounds like uh, sounds like there were a bunch of narrow-minded bigots to me. Today, I still find myself called white as a pejorative, often to silence or shame me for speaking heresies. A recent example is instructive. While filing a sign-up form for a workshop, I noticed that the question of my race featured a blank field rather than the usual multiple choice. 
I took the opportunity to proudly write in human and shared this antidote on Twitter. And guess what happened to this guy for doing that? The response he writes was telling. Funny how we still know exactly what race this person is, wrote one woman in response. Oh, do you now? Twitter bigot. That's a new thing, Twitter bigot. Hashtag Twitter bigot. Maybe I can start that trending on Twitter. Hell, it probably already is. One of my favorite facts from answering psychological surveys, another woman replied, is the knowledge that in this instance, human is always coded by researchers as white, since only white people ever write that. Again, it was a black person that wrote it, a Dominican person. Yet this woman was so bigoted, and her bigotry involves her denying her own bigotry and proclaiming herself to be the ultimate anti-bigot. These people on the left, these race-obsessed fools, are the biggest clowns, the biggest jackasses walking around. They truly are dumber than dirt. Because they fooled themselves and been deluded into believing that everything about them is their skin color or their fill-in-the-blank fill of their identity here. Of course, they didn't feel the need, he writes, to find out whether I was actually white or not. Of course, they didn't. They're bigots. After all, the necessary evidence was in what I had written. It was inconceivable to those women that anyone voicing that sentiment could possibly be black or brown. The idea that race, specifically blackness, should entail a certain ideology or viewpoint, and that veering from that viewpoint is a sign of unfortunate whiteness is, sadly, a common one. In a since-deleted tweet, New York Times journalist uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones please don't call her a journalist, she's a hack, uh, insisted that there is a difference b between being politically black and being racially black. Sounds like something a bigot would say, frankly. A sentiment later echoed by then-presidential candidate Joe Biden, who probably doesn't remember saying it, who said in an interview with the popular radio show The, uh, the Breakfast Club, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or for Trump, then you ain't black. Another pearl of wisdom by Joe Biden, a senile president. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or for Trump, then you ain't black. Most recently, a Los Angeles Times story called Larry Elder, who is black and very intelligent, uh, who is indeed a conservative black radio host and gubernatorial candidate. Please, California, elect this man. See what see what smart people can do. The black face of white supremacy. See, not only is Larry Elder not really black, despite the obvious thing that he is, he's not even a friend of black. He hates black people. He's really a white supremacist. The penchant of this penchant for taking away people's blackness if they don't agree with your politics is pernicious. A cynical gatekeeping that's as rampant as it is deplorable. I'm liking this guy. He lays it on the line, says it very reasonably. Good for you, sir. I call it the one thought rule. Disagree with the orthodoxy of your color card gets revoked. Toe the line or your very being will be called into question by the ideological powers that be. Well, my being doesn't belong to you. And you can't take it away from me. Again, bravo for him. My failure to fit in high school was painful, but it gifted me with a perspective that I now cherish. I was forced to discover and eventually grow comfortable with who I really am. That sounds like he's an individual. How dare he? Black and brown people are not allowed to be individuals, sir. You must conform. You must comply. Oh, you must get your ass back on the plantation the left has designed you to live on. This is a not a physical one, of course, but a mental one, an ideological one. And if you stray, you'll still be hunted down and, well, punished severely for your, your grievance, my friend, your grievous abuse of your identity and color. How dare you think for yourself? 
that's not allowed in the open-minded, tolerant society of leftism. I learned to see things from the outside, to notice how constructing or constructing tribal membership and the pressure to conform can be. If Groucho Marx didn't care to be part of any club that would, would have him as a member, I'm not interested in any club that would reject me as I define myself. Again, individualism is not allowed, sir. Don't you get it? Audre Lorde decreed that we can't dismantle the master's house with the master's tools, and yet here we are, using the same cudgels of division, exclusion, and shame that tortured and oppressed generations of people in our nation's history. Even the concept of race itself, the ultimate tool of the oppressor, and a disgusting, debasing, and divisive fiction, we actively reify rather than reject, reinforce rather than revile with what Barbara and Karen Fields have dubbed racecraft. I, for one, he writes, opt out. I'm not white. I'm not black or brown either. I'm a human. And I will proudly say so when prompted. I will not tow that ideological line. I refuse it. And I refuse its imposition upon me. And as for my color, my color card, you can have it. It's meaningless to me anyway. No doubt I will be pilloried for what I've written here. I'll be told, as I have been countless times before, that I may reject race, but I'll be racialized anyway by a white supremacist America. To that I say, yes, racism exists, even though race doesn't. But I don't need to believe in race to fight racism any more than I need to believe in God to fight religious dogmatism. Union is my project. Division is not and I refuse to divide myself from you or for you. I'm free from that nonsense. And the best part about not being in any club or tribe, now everyone is in mine. Uh, Angel Eduardo is a writer, as you just said, and an excellent one. Uh, obviously, he's a thinker. I don't really know what his ideology is still, but I'm praising him. See how easy it is? That's the very classical liberal way to be. You can embrace someone's words and their and their their meaning, even if you don't know everything about them. I didn't have to check any boxes to know I could sit down and have a lunch with this guy. I'd even let him buy because I'm a nice guy like that. Uh, but I could enjoy it and have an intelligent, meaningful conversation with him, and probably about anything. And we may find, I might find, that we disagreed on gun control, abortion, taxes, spending, etc., etc. But we could still become buddies, friends. We might enjoy each other's company. Not despite our races, not because of them, but because we both have minds that are open enough not to want to be pinned up in some imaginary mental uh, form of chattel slavery where we cannot decide for ourselves. Good for him. Uh, he's a staff writer and content creator for Idealist.org and a columnist for Center for Inquiry. And his website is angelduardo.com. Uh, the views of this article are the writer's own. And again, I'll have to check out idealist.org and uh, the Center for Inquiry and see. But it's an excellent piece. It's a timely piece. It's a worthwhile and valuable piece. That's why I referenced it. I don't know the man. I don't know much about him. But I know his mind's open. I know he rejects the labels, the, the uh, identity-obsessed knuckleheads on the left. I know he... He uh, uh, he doesn't follow along their examples, is what I'm telling you. And good for him. God bless him. Excellent piece, sir. Uh, and you, my friend, you can contact me anytime at thedelegator.com. Any comment, if you happen to hear me talking about you, I'd love to have you write a piece for thedelegator.com sometime. Thank you very much. I appreciate you standing up for yourself and for open-mindedness. 
God, we need more of that. My friends, I'm done. I'm finished. No mas for me today. You sabe? You sabe what I'm saying? You hear what I'm telling you, man? I'm out of here for today, okay? I'm going to go eat some uh, some uh, some good food. I don't know. Maybe drink a beer. Uh, and then work on this accent a little more, okay? You got me? Okay, man. You have a good day too, man. My friends, I love you all. Thank you very much for listening. Remember the three golden rules of life. What are the three golden rules of life, you ask? Because you're a curious person, I'll tell you. And I won't even charge you. I'll do it for free because my heart is full today. I'm just a really nice guy today. Like the other six days of the week. God bless America. If you're left, you just ain't right. And go Gators. Absolutely on that one, my friends. First Gator game this Saturday. Looking forward to it. Ah, college football is back. Thank you for that, Lord. If you want to contribute to thedailygator.com or the Daily Gator Daily Thought podcast, please, my friends, uh, if you want to support us financially, I appreciate it. TheDailyGator.com, the first post is a sticky post. It's always there. Little button at the bottom says buy now. Click on that. You can hit my PayPal page up and give me some cash. If you want to support and be a subscriber to the Daily Gator Daily Thought podcast on Anchor by Spotify, then you can sign up to be a monthly contributor at Spotify. Uh, not Spotify, should be at Anchor by Spotify. And just anchor.fm forward slash Doug Hagen should bring you up to my, my page and uh, all my podcasts. This is number 117 if you're counting. If you're not, why aren't you? And you can uh, you can set up a mount to give every month and also be a subscriber. And, my friends, that is it for me. Again, thank you for listening. Be good to each other. Say your prayers to each of items. All that fun stuff. Take care. God bless. I'll talk to you manana, my friends. Y'all take care and keep sticking it back in the left's face, will you? The best thing we can do for this country. God bless y'all tomorrow, my friends. Till tomorrow.